Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, folks, Roland Martin here. Today is Monday, February 10th, 2020. I'm broadcasting live from the Susan Taylor National Cares Mentoring Gala. They'll be honoring billionaire Robert Smith. We'll be hearing from both of them a little bit later in the show. Coming up next on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, what's up all the drama in the Democratic primary? Pete Buttigieg, uh, of course, uh, getting lots of attention. Senator Bernie Sanders, though, is the one who's leading in the New Hampshire polls. They go to the polls tomorrow. What does it mean for Elizabeth Warren, Joe Biden, and others? And what the hell is James Carville talking about? I'm going to break all this stuff down with our panel and look forward to that as well, folks. A federal judge has ruled against Georgia Governor Brian Kemp in a lawsuit filed by investigative journalist Greg Palace when it comes to folks who've been kicked off the voting rolls in Georgia. We'll talk with Greg right here on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Also on today's show, of course, Matthew Cherry, big winner last night at the Oscars for his short animated uh, movie, uh, short film, Hair Love. And so, of course, we featured him on the show. So big congrats to him. Uh, and, of course, again, we'll talk to other folks here uh, at this uh, Susan Taylor National Cares Mentoring Gala. They're in 58 cities all across the country. Folks, we got a great show for you. It's time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered from New York City. Let's go. He's got it. 
All right, folks, Roland Martin here. I am from Cipriani Wall Street here in New York City for the Susan Taylor for the Love of Our Children Gala, benefiting the National Cares Mentoring Project. Uh, as you can see, folks are already coming here uh, on the red carpet here. Uh, and, uh, of course, you see Susan Taylor over there, also with honoree billionaire Robert Smith. We'll be talking bo both of them in just a few minutes, but let's talk about politics. Voters in New Hampshire go to the polls tomorrow, uh, where it is a tight race. Senator Bernie Sanders is in the lead. Pete Buttigieg, the mayor South Bend, Indiana. He, of course, is also running second. Lots of attention in the Granite State. Uh, but there's still a lot of people talking about Buddha Judge when it comes to his record with African Americans. In Friday's debate, ABC's Lindsey Davis pressed him on the issue of African Americans being arrested in his city. Back to the original to question, though. How do you explain the increase in black arrests in South Bend under your leadership for marijuana possession? And again, the overall rate was lower. No, there was the an increase. Rate. The year before you were in office, it was lower. Once you became in office in 2012, that number went up. In 2018, the last number year that we have a record for, that number was still up. Yeah. And one of the strategies that our community adopted was to target when there were cases where there was gun violence and gang violence, which was uh, slaughtering so many in our community burying teenagers, disproportionately black teenagers. We adopted a strategy that said that drug enforcement would be targeted in cases where there was a connection to the most violent group or gang connected to a murder. These things are all connected, but that's the point. So are all of the things that need to change in order for us to prevent violence and remove the effects of systemic racism, not just from criminal justice, but from our economy, from health, from housing, and from our democracy itself. Senator Warren, is that a substantial answer from Mayor Buttigieg? No. That answer did not sit well with uh, City Councilman-elect Henry Davis. This is what he tweeted uh, that night. Quote, as a councilman in South Bend, I know why Pete Buttigieg looked like a deer in headlights last night when talking about systemic racism in the South Bend police. He tolerated it, perpetuated it, and last night he lied to millions of Americans about it. Joining us right now is Councilman Henry Davis. First of all, sir, thank you for joining us at Roller Martin Unfiltered. How you doing, Roland? Thank you for having me. Uh, so first and foremost, uh, you were not happy with the answer from uh, Mayor Buttigieg. It wasn't an answer. Uh, he just kind of like wanted to go over some details of some programming that he thought that was going to satisfy the uh, panelists' uh, question. That was not an answer. That was uh, a way of dodging the question that was out there. Uh, do you believe that um, that he is skirting around the issue? Many others have been highly critical. Uh, of his record, not only when it comes to um, uh, you know, arrests of African-Americans, but also black businesses uh, in South Bend, Indiana. He also, though, has his supporters of African-Americans there in South Bend. He had an ad that featured uh, the president of South Bend, Indiana, NAACP. Uh, your thoughts on that? Well, well, sure. You're going to always have your supporters. I mean, you even have people that still cheer on Larry Bird when Michael Jackson, Michael Jordan it was the you know best basketball player ever to play basketball. So, I mean, you're gonna go, always gonna have the people that go to another side. Um, but, you know, here in South Bend, we've had a number of issues, uh, issues that need to be corrected. Um, the Daily Beast just a few days ago wrote an article talking about zero uh, monies going to the black community through contracts for over three years straight. That was under his uh, leadership. 
Um, so you have a number of things, again, that does not go towards the idea of, of, of black people getting their fair share in their South Bay, Indiana. And it's on purpose. I mean, it, the only way that it can happen if it's on purpose. But the larger issue right now where we've got to talk about whirling is, you know, the Democratic Party and how the Democratic Party has poisoned itself to try to win and beat a Donald Trump when the, the person that they're trying to put their uh, money behind has absolutely no black support. Um, has zero black support. And that's a colossal fail. And that's a slap in the face to the black voter that participates in the Democratic Party. So we have to figure out well, what first happens of all, next. Well, here's so the deal. First, first of all, there are African-Americans there are African-Americans who are supporting uh, Mayor Buttigieg. Uh, he has received the endorsements uh, of course, uh, Congressman Anthony Brown uh, of Maryland and others as well. But to your point, first of all, we've only had one uh, one state vote, and that was barely vote, only 170,000 people. Uh, and so moving forward, uh, what do you believe should be asked of Pete Buttigieg by African-Americans and others as he makes the case why he should be the Democratic nominee? Well, uh, Roland, again, I think it's insane to ask him anything else. He was the mayor here in South Bend, Indiana for eight years. Under his uh, leadership here in South Bend, the black community's poverty rate increased uh, upwards to 50%. We have double-digit black unemployment. Our schools and our black communities are failing. They're talking about closing five more right now. You're talking about the lowest number of African-Americans serving in, um, in this police department right now. You just started seeing some black department heads, but now that there's a new administration in, he's already told you what he was going to do, what he is going to do, and what he has done. I don't have any more questions to ask somebody that didn't tell me who they are. So I think the Democratic Party needs to focus their efforts on someone who has the ability to bring in the black vote and to make sure the black vote is not only voting, but is satisfied and continues to get what they need from this process that we call uh, uh, electoral politics. All right, Councilman Henry Davis, I certainly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us at Rollerbart Unfiltered. Thank you. All right, I want to go to my panel right now. Dr. Avis Jones DeWeaver, political analyst. Also, Derek Holly, he is the president of Reaching America, also political analyst, and Lauren Victoria Burke. She's a consultant with Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax. I want to start with you, Avis. Obviously, so much attention is on Pete Buttigieg, but here's the point that I keep making. I don't understand why folks are having a problem with this. One state is voted. 170,000 people turned out. It is nonsense to me to somehow anoint uh, that the nominee is going to be Pete Buttigieg or is going to be Senator Bernie Sanders because guess what? Folks haven't voted yet. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't understand why Democrats are going crazy when one state has voted. He has a very loud minority of Democrats who are pushing him and I believe trying to push him on the rest of us. Yeah. Because what you just said was absolutely true. In fact, I would say that no state has voted because Iowa had a disaster <laughs> of a caucus system. And even within the right. caucus system, he didn't receive the majority of the votes. So through some magical formulation, he got the slightly higher delegate count. But nobody can trust any of those results given what happened. The bottom line to me is when the first two states are over 90% white uh, and those and performance in those two states are somehow used as kingmakers, uh, it to me shows a privilege 
of white uh, concerns that is not at all reflective of the Democratic Party, much less the rest of America. To me, whoever wins in Iowa or New Hampshire means nothing to me. Right. I need to see who's going to really be able to pull together the diverse coalition that's actually going to be necessary in order to win the presidential contest, contest in November. Derek, when you begin to break this thing down, look, you have New Hampshire voting tomorrow, then you have Nevada, then you have South Carolina as well. But the key is going to be on March 3rd, Super Tuesday. There you go. Uh, I pull the number. If you go, I pull the numbers. If you go back to 1992, Bill Clinton did not win his first state until Georgia. It was the sixth state. He then lost another half dozen before he won South Carolina. So he actually won three of the first four primaries and he went on to win the nomination and become a two-term president and so I, I, I'm just I don't understand I'm watching James Carville lose his mind on MSNBC <laughs> and talk about Mike talk about Michael Bennett is the guy one <laughs> percent in the polls if you think Pete Buttigieg has no black support check out Michael Bennett who has less black support than Buttigieg and Amy Klobuchar who are at zero well, yeah, I, go ahead. I think Buttigieg, for like I think uh, uh, Dr. Avis and I were talking uh, a couple weeks ago, for whatever reason, this boy's been chosen. He's been anointed for for some reason, and I think it'll be, be straight because he's white and gay. He's something the Democratic Party think that they could put out there and maybe have a shot. But we all know again, this has just been two states, New Hampshire and Iowa, who don't represent a whole lot of black people. Um, I would say the other thing is, man, have you ever been to South Bend? <laughs> I had a chance to go a couple no. years ago. Um, only things out there is Notre Dame football, and that was, that's why I was out there. But there's not a lot of opportunity out there for black people. Again, I mean, uh, Lauren, I guess the thing that this also driving me crazy, and I'm seriously, it's really driving me crazy. These cable, these, these cable shows, these networks are really getting on my damn nerves. I'm also tired of this whole electability issue. Because the reality is, you're only electable if you get elected. Yeah. Okay? People said Donald Trump was not electable. He's sitting in the Oval Office. Right. There are people who said Barack, Barack Obama, not electable. His name is Barack Hussein Obama, two-term president. What I keep trying to tell people to understand is, stop this silliness with electability. Yeah. People saying, well, is Elizabeth Warren, is she, is she electable? Here's the deal. She came in third in Iowa. I don't know why that's no big deal. She's polling right now, third or fourth in New Hampshire. We'll see what happens. But my deal is to cable to cable people. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, shut the, just shut yeah, up right. and actually let voters do what they do by making their own choices and decisions. Right. And, you know, the fact of the matter is that, like, I think it's something probably like 80% or 70% of the electorate is always already locked up when the thing starts. You have the people who are just built in who are going to vote red, team red, and the people who are going to vote team blue and that's sort of how it is for most and you've got the swings that are really the group that everybody is going after is sort of a 20 percent maybe even less than that part of the electorate so once Donald Trump's name appeared on the ballot I mean that you knew he was going to get a baseline percentage I think really what's going on with Pete Buttigieg is that he is like you know he's like the John Ossoff right now for for a lot of people he's this person who's the shiny object 
Uh, I don't meet too many people who actually think that he could beat Donald Trump. And part of that is predicated on the idea that he is only won a very small election where he is in South Bend. And obviously with the United States Senator, you know that they can at least win a state somewhere in the United sure. States. And so for Warren and even uh, Bernie Sanders, who of course represents a smaller state of Vermont, but still he's a senator, and he's already proven that he could beat Hillary Clinton in a few states on the last go-round, even though he didn't win, but there's a lot of support there. He also polled really well against, uh, uh, really well against Hillary, uh, Hillary Clinton and, of course, Donald Trump, which was an odd thing, but I think it was that populist message that both of them were talking about that sort of transcended party a little bit. Frankly, I think the panic on cable news is really about Bernie Sanders. There's a lot of haters of Bernie Sanders yeah. on right. cable news. Uh, they can't stand Bernie Sanders, and yeah. so anytime Bernie Sanders starts to surge, there's this panic that goes through the pundit class. Um, I mean, look and, right now. Look, look right now. The new, the new poll by Quinnipiac right. uh, has Bernie Sanders uh, in the lead. And here's my whole deal. Okay, guess what? If Bernie Sanders goes out and wins and gets the 1900, he earned it. Okay. Right. So, you know, you got the carvels of the world freaking out, and like this is the one that really got me. To listen to James Carville today on Morning Joe, where nobody pushed back on none of the nonsense he was saying when he goes, <laughs> "Oh, all this poly, all this Pollyanna stuff," and then he said, "You know, let's just get to South Carolina so 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 black folks can vote uh, and, and show us the way." And I'm like, "Oh, so James Carville was black people to save white folks' ass?" <laughs> well, see, I, you know, it's funny. I, I caught I mean, part. I mean, I mean I'm, 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 I'm confused because see, I thought. Uh, help me out. I caught, I thought I, I caught part the of that Carville segment. About I, thought it was about, I thought it was about Biden and Sanders appealing to these white folks. Isn't it amazing that white people have voted in Iowa and they're voting in New Hampshire, and now Carville is like, black people, please save us. Yeah, I, I really think, you know, I hate to say this, but nobody can convince me that the part of this fear of Bernie Sanders is the fact that he's Jewish. I cannot talk myself into this not being, at the end of the day, oh, about no, no, anti-Semitism. No. The reason I say that is that I think if he was a wasp, we wouldn't be having this conversation. He's got a Brooklyn no, accent, no, no, no. and he looks like a rumpled professor, so people are scared of him getting elected. And I have no idea why, because he has a populist message no, that I a lot do. of Americans I'll, I'll really agree you. with. No, no, no. And I'll answer for you. I just... I'll answer for you. They're freak... Lauren, they're freaking out because Bernie Sanders is talking about them. The problem is they don't like the fact that Bernie Sanders, in his message, he's talking about the people who have controlled the process for years. That's why. But Bernie it's Sanders has the deal. same message. Okay. As, Bernie Sanders has the same message, really, as FDR, and nobody got freaked out because FDR. No, no, I just no, think, no, 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 I think no, no. the fact FDR I, I really was a think, Democrat. I really think the fact that he talks about that poverty different. and he talks about things that a lot of these pundits. Frankly, oh, no, no, don't that's, identify with. That's what I mean. Uh, is problematic for them, and also I do think it matters what his religion. I mean, people flipped out over Mitt Romney being a Mormon, if you remember, yeah. and it is so, uh, it's something not talked about. But I, I just feel well, like if deal, this though. was Mike, Mike, Mike Bloomberg is Jewish. Yep, right. That's yeah, right. but right. they call him, and, and they're saying that's the second coming. That's and, yeah. And, yeah, we talked about that a few weeks ago, but, Rowan. But, but Bloomberg's like further away from winning than Bernie Sanders. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. We'll find out tomorrow. I believe that at all. I think Bloomberg is the dark horse. In fact, given what just happened with, these, with, with Iowa, Bloomberg is looking mighty smart. Mighty Absolutely. smart right now. And that's the reason Iowa why they changed. Because Iowa was a complete disaster. New Hampshire, I, you know, honestly, this is not going to start 
until you get past these first two sure. states because Iowa is a wash. Yeah, I, you know, really. And the Democratic Party. It's way party. too early to Avis, to be honest, the reality is all these discussions that these cable shows are having are all irrelevant until March 4th. Yeah. We will have Absolutely. a real understanding of what this race looks like after March 4th. Because here's the piece. What, hap what, what happens if Biden comes in fourth or fifth tomorrow? Which then comes will. second in Nevada. <laughs> but wait, a minute, wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, no. Hold on. Hold on. But then win South Carolina. So right. that means. So, so then, like, then, like, what? Is he not back on track? Um, you know, and then, then, then what happens on March 3rd if Bloomberg wins no states? No, 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 but here's my, no, but no, 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 but here's my point, okay? I'm not, we don't know who's going to win South Carolina, but I'm making the point that this race can do this. It can shift, it can move, and these people are actually doing a disservice to voters by let's 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 tear down Sanders, let's build up Buttigieg, let's dismiss Elizabeth Warren, let's 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 talk about how Klobuchar is doing so great, but nobody ever asked Amy Klobuchar why she can't get black votes. Right. The point is let people decide. And I think and again my whole deal is I'm not endorsing anybody. I'm saying March 4th we're gonna have the best look as to who really is a strong candidate by how many states they won, what kind of coalition they put together. But I'm not basing the whole world off 170,000 white folks you in can't. Iowa. But the panic, yeah, I, know, but the panic, I know it's a few black people and Latinos in there. But the panic is Sanders. If, tell, the, panic, the panic is around, oh my goodness, well, if Sanders is the nominee. And that, to me, is strange because he... Well, it's again, strange to well, me. Let me tell what, you why I don't think it's strange. Down. I don't think it's strange. It's, it's not strange because, number one, the, the, here's the thing. It's a couple of things with Bernie Sanders. Uh, number one, he's not a Democrat, and that's a reality. Mm -hmm. I mean, at the he, this is someone who only is a Democrat when he decides he wants to run for president. And so after the last uh, presidential election period, he put a lot of pressure on the Democratic Party to change rules, much of which they actually accommodated for somebody that's actually not even a member of the damn party. And then as soon as he sort of jumps back into the race, switches back to being a member of the Democratic Party, he simultaneously registers to run for re-election in the Senate, as an independent. He's not a Democrat. And then you have the way matter. that his... Yes, it does matter. He's not, how his, much, his well, name, let me finish my argument. Let me finish my argument. The Here's the ballot. issue. On, this wait, is why wait, it matters. Wait, wait, this wait, is wait, why it matters. Wait, wait. Avis, finish your point, then, Lauren. Then I got to go to Greg Palace. Go. Absolutely. This is why it matters, because we're talking about the level of hostility. You're, if you're going to ask people to work with you, then you have to show an ability to work with them. You have to... See, this is exactly what... Hillary Clinton was talking about when he said people don't like you and y'all didn't like to hear that. She wasn't talking about everybody in the world, but that's just plain common sense, okay? So people have changed Got rules it. to accommodate him, and as his campaign is running, let me just say really quickly, you will notice that he seems to focus like a laser on establishment Democrats in terms of his attacks. I do not see anywhere near the same level of vitriol aimed at Donald Trump. The person who he's supposed to Got be it. ultimately trying to run against. So when you have Got that sort, those sort of things quick. going on, His you can't name... really expect to have a lot that a lot of people His... sort of I got rallying it. behind I, you. I got it. Lauren, real quick. His name, his name is going to appear on the Democratic ballot, whether there's an I there or not when he's in the Senate. Yeah, so but you want to know It is what it is. Like the other why. thing is, Hillary okay, Clinton's okay, one second, crew... second, Lauren, finish your point. Hillary Lauren, Clinton's point. crew with Mark Penn and those people were a big pain in the ass eight years ago, and so, everybody put up with it because it was Hillary Clinton. 
Uh, there's something about Bernie Sanders, I'm telling you, that, that makes people, oh my goodness, are we going to win? And I, I just, I don't know what that is because he's talking, he has a very populist message that people agree with, and we'll it's see what happens. but it's socialist, and I just don't yeah. think that's going to be the answer. It's not going to work against Donald Trump. Hey, 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 here's the deal, okay? We can say what's not going to work against Donald Trump. The bottom line is this here. You can't do nothing unless you win the nomination. Absolutely. You win the nomination, you're going, to be the, you're going to be the nominee. And so here's what I say to the James Carvilles of the world and the people who don't want Senator Bernie Sanders. Get off your ass, get off cable news, and actually <laughs> go out and mobilize people. That's what you need to do. But the bottom line is this here. He has a group of people who are behind him. Right. And so at the end of the day, it's, Carville can't say it's about winning if the person who he's complaining about is actually winning. That's what it boils down to. And so, again, we don't know. People say, oh, no way in hell Donald Trump is going to be president. I thought so. All right, right. folks, in Georgia, investigative journalist Greg Palace has beaten uh, Governor Brian Kemp uh, in federal court when it came to the removal of people from the voting rolls. Greg joins us right I now on Roller Park. Greg, how you doing? Uh, actually, uh, surprisingly excellent. I mean, I didn't expect this court ruling. The judge acted for those lawyers out there sua sponte. We didn't even ask her to declare us the winner in the case. She said, Brian Kemp, in effect, has been lying to me. That is the governor of Georgia who stole, and I emphasize the word stole, the election from Stacey Abrams in 2018. Uh, I filed a suit. I was working with Rolling Stone uh, and uh, and then Salon and now The Guardian. We filed suit to get uh, um, Jack, uh, excuse me, Brian Kemp's inside documents on the mass purge of over half a million Georgians. Half a million, half a million. Uh, we got some of it, and we found out that at least 340,134 Georgians were illegally removed. Now, you have to understand, I had a team of experts, the guys that work with eBay and Amazon, go through every address, every name. Brian Kemp said these people left the state or left Atlanta. They're still in their homes where they registered. 340,134 of them. We have each one's name and address, including they blocked from voting the 92-year-old cousin of Martin Luther King. I was there when they threw her out of the polls. It was going to be her 50th year of voting and they threw her out saying that she that there was no record of her ever voting. They wouldn't let her vote. Right. She was on that hit list. So now the judge has told Brian Kemp, you don't even get a trial. You've lost this suit. I'm not even going to ask Greg Palace to go to trial. And I, by the way, I was also joined by the organization of Reverend Joseph Lowry, the great civil rights leader. He's 95 right. and now he's 96. And he said, you know, this is just Jim Crow all over again. And we've busted Brian Kemp. But Greg, we'll get all the information and reverse this but, terrible purge. Not only in Georgia, this will have national implications. We're busting open the secret files right. of all these purging generals that the GOP has operating in Michigan and in and, Ohio. And of course, Greg... And and, and Greg, of course, of course, the Supreme Court allowed for the purging of those voter rolls uh, and that lawsuit filed by, by that white man in Ohio. But this also goes to show why uh, people have got to be aggressive in going after folks like Governor Kemp and not being afraid to challenge Republicans who want to purge the voting rolls, who want to enact voter suppression. Well, I should add that the information I got, the, the names and addresses of the 340,000, one-third of a million Georgians wrongly removed by Kemp, 
Kemp used the method that was supposedly authorized by the Supreme Court. We've proved it's wrong. This material, my files have gone to Stacey Abrams' organization. My experts are now working with her, and she is going back into the federal courts to reverse, to basically undo that horrendous decision by saying, we've got the real evidence. Now, I, as a journalist, now have this inside information, and I found out, by the way, what we're getting out of this also, is that Brian Kemp was working with, you'll remember, Chris Kobach of Kansas. Uh, and I don't, you know, basically, Chris Kobach is a white supremacist, and I rarely use that term on an official, but he is. And Brian Kemp was working with him, not only to remove voters in the state of Georgia from the voter rolls, but to remove voters nationwide in 30 other states. I'm getting those files of Brian Kemp's secret lockup with Chris Kobach, their hit list of almost 7 million voters that they went Got after, it. mostly voters of color, uh, African-Americans, Hispanics, and Asian-Americans. It is, this is a big win. And once we expose this stuff, I think we're going to be able to reverse a lot of these purges before 2020, before the election. All right. Well, Greg Palace. Well, Greg, certainly congratulations, and we'll keep uh, bringing this to our attention to our viewers because it's critically important. Thanks a bunch. Take it easy. All right, I want to go to our panel on this issue here, and that is this constant, this ongoing drama dealing with Gail King and Lisa Leslie, Kobe Bryant, and Snoop Dogg. I'm sorry. I'm, this has reached the point for me where this is ridiculously overblown. If you got an opinion against Gail King, that's fine. Uh, but but I think just this 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 going on and on and on, people are uh, losing their minds over this. Really, this is it, it makes no sense to me that it's continuing, Avis. Yeah, it is continuing. I mean, it was it it ha it has I think should have run its course by now. But he here is the the situation. So, you know, honestly, I believe that the way Gail approached her follow-up questions appeared to be very biased. Uh, and this man and his child have yet yeah. to be laid to rest. Uh, and because of that, it hit some nerves. Now, of course, what Snoop did was absolutely way over the top and yeah, not at live. all acceptable. No, no, we're live. We're live. But, exactly. But you also we're, we're had live. on the yeah, other side right appeared to be a coordinated PR campaign to push back. And so this is what has led to the back and forth, and it will probably go on a little bit longer. Um, Derek, again, I mean, it, it, now you got this whole deal, I'm with Snoop, I'm with Gail. Uh, and it's whole back and forth. And look, here's the reality. I talked about this on my show Friday. Look, journalists, we ask questions. We might tick some people off. Uh, but but this, 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 this constant, this whole deal, and now it's black men and black women got to pick sides. Now, now, then, now I got fools out there uh, mad with Roland. Why you side with Gail? I didn't side with Gail. I didn't <laughs> side with Snoop. I didn't side with anybody. You know, then then this whole deal is like, well, you can't say nothing until the funeral. I mean, I'm, I'm, that, that's, 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 that's I mean, no, it's just, it's just, I mean, it's like all of these people are going on and on and on with it. So, so are they trying, actually trying to tell me that, oh, the funeral is February 24th, and so on February 25th, we can have the conversation? No, they're going to be pissed off on February 25th. I mean, so let's just stop. Yeah, um, but at the same time, I can see... I can see both sides. However, I thought it was just a little... I thought it was out of bounds for Gail to pose that question, too. And I look at Gail sometimes as not one of the best interviewers because um, Lauren and I were talking earlier. I looked at that interview that she did with Justin Fairfax accusers, 
And I felt like she was out of bounds with that because she didn't have all her facts with that with that particular interview. And so I just look at Gail sometimes, even that R. Kelly interview I thought was a little over the top and a little extra. And so sometimes I just think Gail could take a step back, especially with this situation with Kobe Bryant, because the man hadn't been laid to rest. I know we don't have to go by the date before we have to start speaking about his death or whatever he did, but my biggest thing with, with Kobe was not what he did with that, that alleged what happened with that young lady in 2002, 2003. It was what happened with him between him and Shaq when he threw Shaq under the bus. And so that was the biggest <laughs> thing I had with Kobe. I, I, but for I him could, to touch I, on I, with, I, this, I mean, with those I, allegations, I, which were false, and the girl didn't even come forward, I thought she was out of bounds with that. I just think that, again, look, you got these social media trolls out here. I mean, please explain to me, Lauren, how in the hell Gail King versus Snoop is the 21st century of the East East Coast, West Coast rap battle. I mean, it's, like, it's like Tupac and Biggie. I mean, this is, this is, and people are like, no, which side are you on? I'm like, yo, shut the, I'm telling y'all, you know, y'all, they gonna make me cuss this event. I'm just, I, I'm no, it's just, it, it's like, it's, it's just stupid. I'll, I'll try to explain it to you, Roland. Uh, I, I think part of the issue here is that uh, there's a longer history here that I think Snoop and 50 Cent and a lot of these guys have been paying attention to longer than maybe any of us, which is that if you look at the reporting specifically on CBS and specifically by Gail King and Oprah, um, you see that they covered Bill Cosby and R. Kelly and Michael Jackson and then Russell Simmons and then Justin Fairfax and then Kobe Bryant. They covered them in a certain way that I don't think we saw coverage of uh, with regard to, frankly, with regard to white males accused of sexual assault. And we're in kind of this moment where allegations are conviction with yeah. sexual assault. So if somebody says something, the person's life is just blown up, whether you know the details of the story or not. And I think that the CBS Morning Show can't be confused with 60 Minutes. I mean, they don't really are not investigating on the same level as a frontline or a 60 Minutes show. So when they put people on and the thing blows up and that person's reputation is blown up, that person is, of course, paying a huge price. And I think the fact that Gail, of course, is best friends with Oprah Winfrey, who unfortunately, before she turned 15, she was raped when she was nine years old and then 14, which is incredibly tragic. I think the fact that she has that connection with Oprah and when these things happen, they tend to get involved in it. Like, I remember when the Michael Jackson documentary came up, uh, it was, was Surviving or Leaving Neverland. Yeah. Uh, they did, like, a week on that. They had the Jackson family, and then they had the, the guy that did the documentary, and they had, you yeah. know, they had, like, step after step, mm -hmm. detail after detail. They did the same thing with R. Kelly. They had R. Kelly's accusers, and then they had another accuser. It was, like, the level of attention and reporting that went into that is not the same that we saw on a lot of these stories involving white males who have been accused. Right. I think when people Harvey make Weinstein. that... When, right. When people make that... Harvey Weinstein and many more... When people it. make that point, they're making a really good point. And when you have these positions in journalism that are so important and so rare for African Americans that Gail King has, she has to be thinking about how the community is represented. I know that's an extra burden on black journalists that perhaps shouldn't be there, but she's got to be thinking about how she uses her stage. And frankly, I think I'm the most the underrepresented, I, I am, I, the most underrepresented group on TV to me is black men. We have a lot of black women out there I talking I, a lot more I than am we perfectly did. Perfectly fine with all of that. It, yeah, and I'm perfectly fine with all of that. <laughs> uh -huh. But this, but this thing has not. This thing, this thing has literally gone so crazy. 
It's gone crazy. Uh, uh, and I'm seeing, <laughs> it's gone crazy because I'm I think seeing, the perspective and, 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 that Snoop has, even though I didn't agree with what he, how he, you know, what he called Gail, but the perspective that 50 Cent and Snoop has is not represented on TV. I mean, I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting, I'm not expecting a major news outlet to have, to go to a bar and pick a guy up. But we see the PhDs and we see the, you know, club bourgeois on there all the time, the overeducated, the top 10%. We don't see the average black male I, on TV represented very much. Their views, so I got you. But I but, think but that's here, what we're but, seeing. But here's also. But let me. But let me caution all these brothers out here who want to get high and mighty. Their treatment of black women may also become under the microscope. Well, it has been under okay. the microscope just, with, with Gail and Oprah around. No, 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 it's no, no, been under the microscope no, 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 the whole no, time. No, no, no. What, what I'm. No, no. What, and, and what I'm saying is that if this thing is going to escalate into a black man versus black women, you trying to take somebody down. I'm simply saying I think some people have gotten to the point that they're so irrational in their response that it's gotten way overheated. At the end of the day, I'm like, y'all, seriously? It's well, going as Well, I think one of the things... Right, one folks, of the reasons, speaking of, uh, Sorry. I real was quick, go ahead. Quickly, I think one of the reasons why this has really hit some notes for people emotionally is not only because of the tragic death, it's also t a couple of other things. Number one... Uh, you know, he has, he was, this, his charges were dismissed. Right. Dismissed. Yes. Dismissed. She didn't show Dis up. Dismissed. Right. She didn't show up. So the way that this has been contextualized, not just her, but you had this Washington Post reporter come out. Right. He's a rapist. Right. You have the, uh, the granddaughter, I believe, of, of Disney. Right. He's a rapist. And then to have Gail sort of pile on, that was an extra sort of jab. And the fact that, you know, these people who supposedly care about women so much feel completely free to sully the name of someone who has a surviving wife, who has surviving three right. daughters, who are still grieving deep in their grief, to have to have the name of their loved one dragged through the mud over and over and over again by people who didn't know him, even when the charges she were dismissed, as if he was a convicted rapist, is wrong. Yeah. I don't care how you slice it. Yeah. And then to have Oprah Winfrey go on The View and cry about her friend. <laughs> Listen, Gail is not the victim here. Right. Right. He right. is not she the wanted, victim. She actually, wanted, actually, she wanted, actually, she wanted today's show. But bottom line is here, again, this whole deal of this is not an East Coast, West Coast battle. All is picking sides. I'm Team Gail. I'm Team Snoop. I'm saying, y'all, seriously? But it's chill deep. Chill the hell it's out. Deep, it's now, deep because got, it's been got, going got, on a while. Hold on, hold on, hold on. It's been I, going I, on a while. I, I, I got it. But I also got to talk, talk about this here. Uh, you got some drama down at Jackson State University. Oh, my God. Where the he's president the today brother, resigned. Sir. He resigned. Oh, he's an Omega? Yeah. <laughs> he was too out. He was way too out. So those of y'all who don't know the story, <laughs> Dr. William Bynum Jr., the president of Jackson State University, has resigned after he was arrested over the weekend in a prostitution sting at a Jackson, Mississippi hotel. He was among 17 people arrested in the two-day uh, prostitution sting at a hotel in Clinton, Mississippi. Bynum posted a $3,000 bond over the weekend. He resigned today effective immediately. He was named president of Jackson State in 2007. Uh, and I'm going to go ahead and uh, since you say he's an Omega, I got to read this for you, um, for you, um, uh, uh, Derek. Uh, let me find it right here. Uh, this is what uh, I pulled up earlier. The bio is probably down from the website, but it was up earlier. Uh, this was the last line, Derek, in his bio. Uh, Bynum's personal and professional motto is look back and thank God. 
Look forward and trust God. Look around and serve God. Look within and find God. Okay. Yes. <laughs> wow. I mean, he sounds like he's a godly man. Unfortunately, bro just got caught out there today, and I, it's, it's, it's a sad situation for him and for Jackson State, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. uh, and this, of course, I got I got to send a story, uh, uh, Lauren. Also, the the athletic director at Morehouse got robbed when he called a woman on Craigslist. Uh, I, I, I'm like, look, guys. Look, when you are a public official, in the case of Jackson State, it is a public university. Bottom line is, look, and hold on, not only you that, can't do it. a sister who is over, wait a minute, there's a sister who is over the art gallery at Jackson State who was also arrested in this prostitution sting. Yeah, I mean, there's not a whole lot you can say about that other than the people, like you just said, if you're in, a, a, obviously, a, a high-profile office, you have to be very careful. <laughs> it's just, I mean, without having, knowing the facts of these uh, situations, it doesn't sound too good, but... And there's I mean, cameras I, everywhere now. Yeah, yeah exactly there's cameras right. cameras everywhere. It's exactly not right. that hard out there. Match.com, hello, something? <laughs> 23, one is not, that's a, that's a DNA. <laughs> that's uh, you figure something, I, some other I, alternative. I, hey, y'all, I don't know, but uh, more power to your frat brother, Derek. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Bro. <laughs> more Roller Martin on the filter when we come back. Things are all connected, but that's the point. Saying criminal in China for drugs, by the way, means uh, that's serious. All right, guys, that's the, that's the, what, uh, y'all, okay, all right, so first of all, so we blew the promo there, so let me go to, go to the panel and deal with this here. Donald Trump has been running around talking about, uh, of course, uh, this whole issue of criminal justice reform. Huh. But here's what he said today about drug dealers and how he praised China. Saying criminal in China for drugs, by the way, means, uh, that's serious. They're getting a maximum penalty, and you know what the maximum penalty is in China for that, and it goes very quickly. Uh, it's interesting. We have Singapore, they have very little drug problem. We have China, they have very little drug problem. States with a very powerful death penalty on drug dealers don't have a drug problem. Uh, I don't know that our country is ready for that, but uh, if you look throughout the world, the countries with a powerful death penalty, death penalty with a fair but quick trial. Uh, they have very little, if any, drug problem. That includes China. Well, Derek, I guess somebody's a fraud when it comes to criminal justice reform who wants to give a death penalty to the drug dealers. Well, let's take a step back. Are you referencing uh, the First Step Act, which is a piece of legislation that just passed last year no, that was no, I, I, bipartisan? No, I'm referencing, I'm, refer I'm, I'm referencing Mr. Criminal Justice Reform. The man who ran a Super Bowl ad about how he freed Alice Marie Johnson, how he's talked about right. individuals who have been arrested for dealing drugs. But now he's, oh, man, but look, look at these other countries. He's basically saying, man, I sure wish we could be like the folks in the Philippines or uh, like, like China and give the death penalty uh, to people who sell drugs. Well, you know, that, I, I, I can't speak for that man. He, he has no filter. And so sometimes he puts his foot in the mouth more times than, than not. And so I, I can't side with him on what he was talking about just now, talking about the death penalty for drug dealers. I mean... No, 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 I, I don't know. Derek, 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 I don't expect you to side with him. I'm showing, I'm saying that this simply shows how he's a fraud when it comes to criminal justice reform, uh, and he is not serious about it. 
and this is truly who he is. I wouldn't say he's a fraud. I mean, he did. They did put forth the initiative to, to, <laughs> to pass, you know, the First Step Act, which was the first overhaul fraud. of the criminal justice system since 1994, the largest overhaul since 1994. Fraud. It was the largest fraud. overhaul since 1994. No, no, he, he, he is a fraud. Avis, he does not truly He got the, the law report. passed, and it was uh, bipartisan. All, all, well, all, that, all that was, Jared Kushner led that. It was also Democrats, Congressman Hakeem Jeffries in the House, and Democrats in the Senate who said, make it a real criminal justice reform bill, because it was going to be a very limited bill, the one that came out of the House. But this, that comment there, that's real Donald Trump. Not the rest of his crap, he says. The bill yeah. was passed. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody knows hey, that go ahead. He's, yeah, he's clueless when it comes to policy. So he's just kind of sitting there on Twitter and Fox News all day long, and when something gets to his desk, uh, and he thinks that it could be politically advantageous to him, he'll sign it no matter what it is. He don't give a damn about that. You know, what, what you are seeing right now is the fact, though, that he does seem to have a love affair with very totalitarian and violent actions perpetrated by, by the state. And that is by the state in other countries as well as by this state. You know, when he, you remember when he was talking to policemen and he was like, don't be careful with them. You know, bang them up a little bit. You know, he <laughs> likes, he's a violent person. And, and I'm not saying this lightly. Let's just think about this. We have a totalitarian in the White House at this moment. Given what just happened uh, with not only the impeachment and the message that that sent, that he can break the law and there will be no repercussions, but also what he did after the impeachment in terms of firing not only people that testified, but the twin brother of someone that testified that had absolutely nothing to do with it. These are actions Lauren. of a totalitarian, and if he's doing that now, just imagine what he would do in a second term when there is no limits to his brutality that could not only be legislative, but also physical in nature. Physical? Yes. Bottom line, Lauren, he is a fraud when it comes to criminal justice reform. He is trying to pimp folks that all of a sudden he cares about uh, people who are in prison uh, for selling drugs. Uh, that's what this is. What you heard in that clip was the real Donald Trump. Yeah. I mean, he says he's extremely situational. So, of course, he'll say one thing one day and another thing the next day. To me, it's completely meaningless because I don't think he knows what he's talking about when it comes to any statistics or any reference uh, to any other countries, you know, anything. I mean, Donald Trump is an extremely situational, dumb person who will just say anything. So it really doesn't matter what he says. I mean, he's just, it, we play this game of trying to analyze what Donald Trump says, Can't but none of it makes any sense. He'll say whatever he has to say no, 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 to no, win no. the advantage in any moment. Right. And that's just how it is. Oh, he's consistent with this leaning. And that's and, and that's and that's why I tweeted. I said I would love to see what Alice Marie Johnson has to say. The woman, of course, who was freed for from drug prison. charges. Uh, the woman who was freed from prison, uh, of course, uh, in a Super Bowl commercial. Wonder what she has to say about what he had to say today. Hmm. I wonder. All right, y'all. Got to go to a break. Uh, we come back. We'll talk with Susan Taylor and Robert Smith from the National Cares Mentoring Gala here in New York City. And also, last night was the Oscar. Big night. Matthew Cherry and the makers of the short animated film Hair Love. That's next at Roller Martin Unfiltered. You want to support Roller Martin Unfiltered? Be sure to join our Bring the Funk fan club. Every dollar that you give to us supports our daily digital show. There's only one daily digital show out here that keeps it black and keep it real as Roller Martin Unfiltered. Support the Roller Martin Unfiltered daily digital show by going to RollerMartinUnfiltered.com. Our goal is to get 20,000 of our fans contributing 50 bucks each for the whole year. You can make this possible. RollerMartinUnfiltered.com.
My name is Kelly Bethia, and my Black History moment goes out to my mother. I know that sounds kind of cheesy that your mom is your hero, but she really is my shero. Not only was she Miss Black Maryland twice over, but she has also been an integral part in a lot of the ways that we see cable television, how cable television is in areas that normally wouldn't necessarily be. And in the early 2000s, she was the first keynote speaker for Equal Pay Day under President Bill Clinton's administration. And one of the things that uh, spoke out to me about this is that um, in her speech, she was so grateful for the opportunity to uh, be in the Rose Garden and talk about it, but specifically, she said, I hope that I can serve as an example to women across the country who work hard to build their professional career, but still do not receive salaries equal to their male counterparts. That was in May 11th, 2000, and considering that it is almost 20 years later and we are still fighting this fight, I commend my mom for basically being the champion that she was 20 years ago and that I'm following in her in her footsteps to make sure that happens. We are here. This new decade, the beginning of a new era. Launching a new network. We are building what has never been built. Brick by brick, the first black 24-hour news network is here. We are not just new, we are now. We are the Black News Channel. All right, folks, today at 6 a.m., the Black News Channel launched in some 33 million homes, co-founded by J.C. Watts. Uh, their goal, of course, is to have a 24-hour cable news channel. Derek, I want to go to you. Uh, uh, you worked uh, in black media doing sales. Uh, how tough of a role do you think they have in this environment where, uh, look, you got eight black cable, cable and broadcast networks, all of them entertainment-focused, and you're talking about a black news network 24 hours. I think it's going to. I, I think it's very necessary to have it, right? Um, but Roland, as you know, it's going to come down to advertising, and if they can't get the support, then the, the show's not going to be there. The network's not going to be there, and um, hopefully, they can draw on enough ratings to generate revenue. Otherwise, it, it, it won't work. Uh, Avis, uh, your thoughts about it as well. I mean, obviously, when you talk about a competitive landscape, we're also living in a world where court cutting is real, uh, where you used to have yeah. ESPN in more than 100 homes. They're now in some 88 million homes. Those numbers are dropping because people are saying cable is too high. So to launch a cable network in this environment is also a difficult proposition. Yeah, that's my biggest concern about it, and I, I wish them well. I agree that we need this, and it's, I'm glad to see that it's there, even though, you know, it is you know, the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, owner is, has the majority stakes, yeah. but we, it is black represented in, term, in terms of the ownership. Um, I, I, will say, I will say this, though. We do know in terms of viewer habits, we are undergoing a shift right now. 
And just as more and more people are watching their content online, and as you mentioned, cutting the cable, uh, it's just unfortunate that they're starting there. And it reminds me of the fact that when black people started really buying up radio stations, that was when we were making the shift technologically in terms of a consumption of information to, to television. <laughs> so, you know, it is, it is um, to cable specifically. So it's, it's just unfortunate. It seems that just when we are finally able to break into a space like this is at the moment when, in essence, it's declining in value. Right now, the future belongs to the digital side and not necessarily to the cable side of the equation. And I would agree with Dr. Avis, yep. Roland. I just think right now that they are a little late to the table. And um, I just think a news, a news channel right now, because audiences are so fragmented right now, um, with with, with right. digital right now, I just think it'll be very difficult for them to get this thing off the ground. Especially, I know the Jaguar, the Jaguars owner is the majority mm -hmm. uh, owner in the whole organization. However, that's not going to generate the revenue. That's not going to generate the advertising. And so, I just think again, it's going to be very difficult to get it off the ground. Gotcha. All right, then. Avis uh, and Derek and Lauren, we really appreciate it. Thank you so very much. All right, folks, we're here in New York City for Susan Taylor's National Cares Mentoring Gala, uh, of course, where it is for the love of children. That's where they're raising the dollars for. Tonight, they're honoring billionaire Robert Smith. I'm going to chat with them in just a second. Joining me right now uh, is, of course, Hall of Famer, good friend of Robert Smith, Dave Winfield. Dave, how you doing? I'm a good friend of Roland Martin. <laughs> good to see it. But, but Robert as well. Man, I, you know, we got the chance to come here. Uh, Ray McGuire get, invited him sitting at his table, another prominent businessman in New York. So my wife and I were coming out here. Susan, I've known for a generation. She's always been great, gracious, giving back, uh, a leader. And so uh, I'm just glad to be here. Well, man, uh, we're also glad to see you here. Uh, and then those, the superstars are coming up right behind you uh, as well, Robert and Susan. Oh, uh, so, man, I appreciate it. Thank you so very much. I'm going to pull them in. Now, Dave, always good seeing you. Slide right here. Now, are you staying right here? Are we going to pull it out? Robert, step on in here. All right. Of course, uh, with Susan Taylor, she's the founder. Uh, it's been, so what, you started this, what was it, uh, 11 years ago? Oh, actually, 14. That's right, because it was under Essence, and then there you go. Right. It was after Katrina. We said we had to do more at the Essence Festival for the children who were really left homeless and hungry and lonely and depressed. And so that gave birth to Essence Cares, which has grown into the National Cares Mentoring Movement. Uh, and, of course, uh, you now had to move it to this place. You've grown uh, from uh, when Gala first started. That's true. We've outgrown every space. This is the largest indoor ballroom in New York City. So here we are. We better fill it tonight. I know that. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, uh, the honoree tonight, this man standing right here, Robert Smith. Brother Martin, so good to see you. So glad you're here. Happy to see you, my brother. You know, you know had to be here. Always got to support Susan. Uh, and, uh, of course, la this is how she guarantees you come here. So last year, when the game was over, she's like, okay, the date is February 10th. So put it in your calendar right now and, and block the date off. So I couldn't say no, you know, because right, already. I understood. And she has, she has persisted, but her persistence is driven by love. And that's the point of it. And that's why I really love being around her and being a part of all that she does. She takes a holistic approach to how we heal our community. One person at a time, you know, one child at a time, and I think that's really why we're here. Uh, and obviously, a lot of people really don't understand uh, how great the need is when you talk about mentors, because uh, you're not what, 58 cities? 58 cities, Roland, that's right. I mean, and this is not what I ever thought I would be doing after 37 years at Essence. I thought I'd be teaching journalism, you know, newspaper making, magazine making, well, 
you know, digital world I'm not as familiar with, but really helping our young ones with literacy and understanding journalism at black colleges, my own program that would travel. But the village is on fire. I had no idea that the crisis among our young is as deep as it is. Right. You know, writing about it, sending journalists to report on it, and really waking up and going into schools where kids literally are coming to school hungry and high and having slept in cars and shelters. We can, we're gonna do better than this. I don't have any depression around it. I have confidence around it. Robert, there are a lot of us, obviously, who grew up with parents, uh, who, who understand uh, that those are the original role models, but the reality is not everybody uh, has a stable home with a mother and a father uh, raising them. Correct. And I think the important part is we have to realize it's a community that's important. I just remember growing up how everyone I met and I knew and got introduced to was framed in regarding their role in the community. If they were part of the Boy Scouts, if they actually, you know, were part of Head Start in our neighborhood, that's how my parents introduced them. And so I realized it was important to be part of the community. Not everybody had two parents in their home. Not all, you know, not every parent got to come home and take care of the kids, but people in the community made sure that they had a place to come after school, made sure that they studied, made sure they worked with each other. And I just remember that as being a fabric of how I grew up. So as Susan started talking about the ways we need to really heal our community, those are the things I thought about. And how do we ensure that that happens in every community that we touch? So I'm just happy to be a part and do my part wherever I can. Susan is not just uh, the young folks with mentors. You also have this parents university. I played in a golf tournament that was in Atlanta. We raised money for that. Uh, and I mean, and that's something that people don't think about. That there are parents who were not raised to understand how to raise a kid. They need help. They need, they need to be educated in doing so. And you know, truly, I mean, when you said yes to that, you changed their life. And people don't understand that there are parents, none of us really knew how to raise a child. Now I know how to be a mother. Now that I'm a grandmother and I'm really practicing, you know, royally, I think I'm doing a good job. But what I'm so proud of is that the Solicitor's General, right, from uh, DeKalb, and also one of the other counties in, in Georgia, they are referring their, their, their clients to us rather than incarcerating them. You know, people who've cr created low-level crimes. But now, first of all, we had a hard time recruiting parents at the University for Parents. Now they don't want to leave. Which are, you've got to get out the <laughs> It's called graduation. you got to go. you got to go. We have more people who need to take these seats, but it's really working beautifully. And uh, thank you for your support. Always, always. Last question for you, Robert. So, was always interesting. I, I, I do panels all the time, people on social media, and they always talk about, man, if, if, if I was celebrities and entertainers and sports people, just give, give, give. But I use Bernie Sanders as an example. This is somebody who's running, whose average donation is $19. If you look at St. Jude, I'm one of the national ambassadors. They raise 800, they have, they have to raise 800 million a year, but the average gift is around 20 bucks. Uh, and so, so what do you say to the person who's saying, oh, he's got enough without realizing that, no, 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 your five, your 10, your 20 actually also makes a difference in a kid's life. Yeah, it, it all matters. I saw my mother write a $25 check to the United Negro College Fund every month as I grew up, and she did it for over 50 years. She realized, and even though I had some wants in my life, she said, we have some needs in our community. She tithed to UNCF. There's no question about it. And look, she was a school teacher. My parents were school teachers. We had, we didn't have a lot of money. And frankly, I wore my, my brother's hand-me-down until I was 14 years old, watching her write those checks. 
but she told me how important it was to be a part of your community and give to your community in ways that mattered. And in her mind, education, which I believe as well, is one of the principal ways that we have to do it. So $5 matters, $25, $35 million. I mean, whatever it takes to actually help and uplift our community is what each of us should do. Everybody's going to do their part. All right, Susan, before we go, you make your money appeal. My money appeal? Right. You, you got to raise the money. My appeal is for your heart first. Because if you open your heart to children whom society has written off, you will help us write them in with a check. There you go. And we, if we also auction this suit, we can raise some money too. Uh, and so I appreciate it, Susan. Robert, thanks so much, Fred. I appreciate it, baby. I appreciate it. All right, folks, uh, that is it for us here uh, at the uh, National Cares Mentoring Gala here in New York City. Uh, thank you so very much. We're going to end the show this way. Uh, first of all, before I do that, don't forget, we need you to support Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, of course, uh, look, bottom lines is here. You know, we're doing this. We're on location. We're broadcasting live from here. Of course, what Susan does is critically important. Uh, and so that's why I created this platform for us to be able to bring you uh, folks like this. Uh, and so there are other people here who I would love to talk to, but we're actually out of time. So please support us at RolandMartinUnfiltered.com. Join our Bring the Funk fan club. Just simply go right there to the website. I'll be back in studio tomorrow, but we're going to end the show this way. Of course, Matthew Cherry uh, won an Oscar last night for his short animated feature called Hair Love. And so here's the entire, of course, uh, speech that he gave. Uh, and so we want to congratulate him. Uh, Cynthia Arrivo, want to congratulate her. She was also a nominee for Harriet. Uh, but big up, uh, uh, certainly way to go, Matthew, uh, and all the folks who were involved with Hair Love. So I'll see you guys tomorrow. I got to go. Holla! Just took a little bit of work and a whole lot of love. Mwah. Are you ready to do this? All right, here we go. See? Now, wasn't that easy?
BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts.
if you dare. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. 